Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Leadership Biz Cafe. I'm your host, Tanvi Nasir, CEO of Tanvi Nasir Leadership, our leadership firm that now offers both virtual and in-person keynotes and workshops on a variety of leadership topics. To learn more about our leadership education and training services, visit our company's website at tanvinasir.com. And now, let's get to my guest for this episode, Peter Economy. It's, it's two ends of a spectrum where on, on one end of the spectrum, managers are micromanaging. They're looking over that employee's shoulder constantly, and they're telling them how to do their work. Uh, and that's just not the right way to do it. And on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, they're, they're just, they assign a task, and then they disappear. And the employee at some point wonders, um, does, this, does my boss even care anymore about this thing? And, and should I still be working on it? I don't know. They don't seem to care. So, Research has shown that it takes almost 10 years after someone takes on their first leadership role before they get any kind of real leadership development training, which means most new leaders are pretty much left to their own devices to figure out how to succeed in their new role. So what are some of the key areas these new leaders should be paying attention to? And what are the potential pitfalls they should be on the lookout to avoid? That's what I'll be discussing with my guest for this episode, Peter Economy. Peter is a best-selling business author, developmental editor, and publishing consultant. Some of you might know him also as the leadership guy from his popular column on Inc. He's also the best-selling author of over 100 books, his latest being, Wait, I'm the Boss? Which Peter and I will be talking about in this episode. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the Leadership Biz Cafe. Thanks so much, Tanvir. It's great to be here today. So, Peter, I know you as a longtime columnist for Inc., having read and shared many of your pieces on leadership and how leaders can address some of the challenges they face. I'm curious to know, what inspired you to write this book of yours with this focus on new managers? What was the pain point you saw and wanted to address? Yeah, I've been writing about leadership and management for a long time. Uh, my first book, Managing for Dummies, came out around 1997, sold about, I think, 700,000 copies worldwide in, I don't know, 20, 25 different languages. So, um, you know, management is one of those, and leadership are, are, are those topics that are evergreen. It's the kind of thing, there's new managers all the time, there's new leaders all the time. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're always coming into organizations. So what I had seen was, is that there's a lot of bad bosses out, out there. I mean, I'll just say it frankly. Um, you know, Gallup has done a lot of surveys in the areas of, of leadership and management. And they found that bad bosses are the number one reason why employees leave their jobs. I think we, we all know that you know, when you've got a bad boss, it can be a pretty bad situation for you personally and for the organization and for its customers. So, you know, I've seen a lot of um, impact. I, I've heard from a lot of people that have been impacted by, by bad bosses in, in their organizations. I just thought this was a, an important thing to cover because something else I found was that there's just not a lot of training out there. Uh, the largest companies, the you know what you'd call the Fortune 500s, whatever, um, do a lot of training in, in in leadership. You know they have whole programs devoted to that, um, but smaller organizations don't. Either they can't afford it, or they just don't have time for it. So it seemed like a real um, important topic to cover. I've always found it curious how so many organizations promote people into these leadership roles when they're so poorly equipped to be successful at it. In my conversations with many newly minted leaders, one of the common things behind this is that 
Because they showed leadership potential, they were given these new roles, which at first they did feel capable of doing. But then as they got really deep into the day-to-day realities, and especially when those around them felt like, okay, we could take the leadership training wheels off, that's when they really started to feel like they were in over their heads here. But then they felt like they couldn't speak up because they were afraid of being spun out of the role. That's really true. Um, I know my own personal experience, uh, I don't know, this is 20, 25 years ago. Uh, I was promoted. Well, actually, I left a job. I was a manager at an organization, software development company, and I was managing, say, 10, 12 people um, in all sorts of administrative roles from purchasing to HR to accounting and all, all these different kinds of operational roles. So I then took a job as a vice president at a company where I was in charge suddenly overnight of about 450 people. And it was a completely different situation. It was, as you can imagine, um, it was way different. And I wasn't prepared for that leap. I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't prepared for that leap. And did I ask for help? No. Did I seek it? No. Did I show vulnerability to my boss that maybe I was out, you know, out too deep? No, I didn't. So I, I completely understand that when you're in that role, when you've been thrust into that role and you're not feeling that you're up to it or you're not feeling comfortable, um, you don't feel like you're performing. Um, the last thing many of us do, and it certainly was the case for me, is to to ask for that life preserver to ask for help. So Peter, you've broken your book down into three main themes of what new managers will have to learn to succeed in their new role. And these are, what are some of the key aspects of leadership new managers need to master? What are the top skills you need to succeed? And finally, some of the common challenges you should be prepared to face and how. Now, in each of these, you touch on more topics than we could possibly cover in this episode. So what I'd like to do is touch on a few in each that caught my eye and I want to talk to you about. And the first one I want to talk to you about is the chapter where you discuss how to manage employee performance. Now, in your discussion about how to monitor and measure employee performance, you write how the secret to measuring employee progress and performance is positive feedback as it serves to reinforce the behaviors and actions you want to see. So could you share how focusing more on providing positive feedback can improve how we monitor and measure employee performance? Yeah, there's a couple different aspects to that um, that are really critical. And the, the first aspect is is sharing feedback, period. Um, I, I think that too few managers make a habit of, of sharing feedback regularly. They wait for that annual performance appraisal to come around, or in some organizations, maybe every six months, depends on your organization. And until that, that formal appraisal comes around, they don't really share much feedback. So in many cases, when they do, when an employee finally does get feedback, it's a big surprise. They had no idea that their manager was not happy with the work they were doing or that they were happy with the work they were doing. They just have no feedback. So the first part of this is to get feedback. And managers really do need to provide feedback much more often than they typically do. I mean, daily feedback is not too often. Um, you know, when you see some, when you're, you see your employee do something good, this is the positive aspect of it. You know, make make sure you make a point of telling your employee that you did they did something great, they did something right, they did something well, um, and that you appreciate their what they've done. Uh, I've I've worked a lot with a guy named Bob Nelson. He's um, 
an expert in, in employee rewards and motivation. And the very most powerful thing you can do to provide positive feedback to an employee is to just give them a simple thank you. And it doesn't cost anything, doesn't take much time, but to personally thank that, that person for doing something well, for doing something good for the organization and your customers. So um, positive feedback is, is critically important and, and there's just not enough of it out there. I'm glad you brought this up, Peter, because I've had a lot of leaders say to me when I bring up a similar point, why do I have to thank my employees for just doing their job? And I know you've probably heard that too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I tell them is that you need to reframe it from your perspective of thinking you're thanking them for doing their job to theirs, where you're essentially giving them input on what you want them to focus their efforts on. After all, just as is the case with leaders, employees are having a lot of issues coming up on their radar. There are a lot of issues and situations that are demanding their attention, but they may not be what you'd like them to prioritize or focus on. So when you point out to them how you appreciate their efforts towards a particular issue or situation, you're directing their focus towards the things that you're paying attention to, and you end up creating this positive feedback loop where your employees go, well, when I worked on that task, I got this encouraging feedback from my boss. So I'm going to do more of that because I now know this is what my boss is paying attention to. So you're not simply thanking them for doing their job. Rather, you're creating better alignment between the expectations you have for your employees and what your employees spend most of their time on. Yeah, Tanvir, that's a super good point. Um, you know, my colleague, my friend, Bob Nelson, again, uh, he coined a phrase a while back, and, and it's real simple, but it's really powerful. It's just you get what you reward, and you're, you're hitting right on that. The behavior you get from your, your people is what you're rewarding. If you're rewarding bad behavior, you're going to get more of that. If you're rewarding good behavior, you're going to get more of that. So um, that's exactly right. And there's another interesting element you bring up in this chapter that when it comes to measuring employee performance in terms of the goals we've set out, there's four key elements we should be using to help us track things. So I was wondering, Peter, if you could share with our listeners what those four things leaders need to keep an eye on in terms of assessing employee performance. Right. Well, the first thing is you've got to set standards and goals. Um, everybody needs to know what they're supposed to be doing. In fact, LinkedIn, uh, their LinkedIn learning uh, group, uh, did a survey a couple of years ago and, and asked them, what's the most single frustrating trait you've experienced in a manager? So this is asking people about their managers. And the top thing that, that, that these 3,000 professionals said was that having expectations that aren't clear or that frequently change. So you've really got to let your people know what to expect and what you're expecting from them. And you do that by setting standards and goals with your people. You know, that's, that's an iterative process you go through together. You don't just lay this on them. You, you work through it together. And then you, um, the next thing you do is you continuously give specific feedback. So this is part of that feedback loop we were just talking about. Um, as people work toward um, their goals, as they work toward doing things in the organization, provide them with that specific feedback uh, on a, a continuous basis. Again, daily is not too often. Um, and, and obviously there's times when you've got to give them negative feedback when they're not doing things as, as they have said they would, or as you expect them to, 
and, and you correct them. You, you provide those course corrections along the way. But obviously, the, the best thing to do is to provide positive feedback. That, that works. That's more powerful. It works better. Um, then you also want to prepare written and formal performance evaluations. I mean, that is certainly a part of the process, too. Um, you do want formal performance evaluations, and those are usually on a scheduled basis, maybe quarterly, maybe semi-annually, maybe annually, depends on your organization. And then at the end of that process, when you've gone through the um, performance evaluation with your employees and you set new standards, you set new goals, um, you always want to keep people moving forward. You always want to keep them uh, learning more, developing, uh, getting better at their jobs, um, being ready to take on new jobs, um, to be promoted. So setting new standards, new goals with your people is, is, is the, the next step. And then you just keep going through that loop over and over again. Now, Peter, I'd like to jump to the next section of your book where you examine the kinds of skills new managers need to develop and strengthen to succeed in their new role. And the skill I'd like to talk to you about is delegation, as this is something I discuss in one of my leadership keynotes on how to use this to drive employee growth, as well as empowering employees to bring their full efforts to the table. Now, when it comes to delegating new work to an employee, especially with new managers, there's often two scenarios that arise. One is where the new manager starts to micromanage their employees around these new assigned tasks because they want to make sure the work gets done right, and sometimes that it gets done the way they want it to be done. And the other scenario is one where managers do the complete opposite, where they're not regularly checking in to not just see how their employees are progressing, but to learn what kind of support or guidance their employees might need and how that changes over time. So how do new managers, and even seasoned ones, make sure they're effective in delegating, not just at the start, but over the course of achieving the goal behind the delegated work? Right. Um, you know, it comes down to actually being a part of the process. And you're right, there's those two different scenarios where it's, it's two ends of a spectrum where on, on one end of the spectrum, managers are micromanaging. They're looking over that employee's shoulder constantly, and they're telling them how to do their work. Uh, and that's just not the right way to do it. And on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, they're, they're just, they assign a task, and then they disappear. And the employee at some point wonders, um, does, this, does my boss even care anymore about this thing? And, and should I still be working on it? I don't know. They don't seem to care. So... So yeah, you want to have a sweet spot. There's a sweet spot in between where um, you assign a task, you give the context for that task. You know what what is what is it going to do? So when I give this task to you, why is it important? How is it going to impact the organization? How what is it going to lead to for our customers? Is it going to make our customers' lives better in some way? You know, provide that context about why why are you assigning that work? And then have a regular check-in schedule. Um, I do this when I do my own work. You know, as, as a writer, I have clients where we're working on projects to write books. And we often will set up a weekly check-in meeting, a one-hour meeting every week where we'll check progress. We'll um, set goals um, for that task. So we'll say, we want to be this far along. We want to create a new chapter by next week. Um, next week's meeting, we'll go through and, and, and see where we got. Did we finish the chapter? Did it, was it good? Was it done well? Um, do we need to make some corrections, some course corrections? So you've got to find that sweet spot in between micromanagement and just laissez-faire where you just let it all go and don't even check in at all. And, and 
make sure that the, your employee, that your, your people know that you're, you're interested in what they're doing and, and that they're doing it in a way that you would like them to do and that they agreed to do it. Peter, I really like this point you just brought up about explaining why you're delegating this task out, because I think that's another aspect of the delegation process that new managers especially have to be mindful of, that it's not about just taking tasks off your plate that, oh, I don't want to do this, and I'm just going to hand out grunt work to my employees, but... I think there's also an element of explaining the why where it should also be tied to your employees' growth and what strengths they've demonstrated that you want to build and strengthen so that they can become a stronger member of your team. Yeah, and and ultimately it, it's it's for two things, and and you know obviously you want the organization to achieve its goals. You want the organization to thrive, to grow, to be profitable, to serve its customers, to provide real value for customers. But you also want the people in your organization to grow and to thrive and, and to achieve their own personal goals. And, and you know, organizations today have a, a hard time attracting really good people and holding on to really good people. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but I just know that, um, you know, the actual amount of time that people stay in their jobs continues to shrink. So it used to be people would, on average, stay in their jobs, say, 10 years before they'd move on to another job. And I think that number now is around two and a half years to maybe four years, something like that, depending on the age bracket we're talking about. So you've got to be looking out for your people. You've got to be developing them. You've got to be providing them with opportunities to grow. And that's a, that's what delegation is, is about. In addition to just giving them something to do that needs to be done, you're providing them with the opportunity to um, push outside what they currently know and to learn new things and to develop as, as employees so that they're ready to progress and ready to be promoted and potentially take your job someday. Absolutely. Well said, Peter. And I completely agree with you. And you actually helped guide us into the next section of your book where you were talking about some of the common problems new managers have to face. And this is one of the problems that they have to face is around employee retention and recruitment. But I wanted to look at it through the lens of one of the chapters you deal with, which is the one where you talk about diversity. Now, over the last several years, there have been numerous studies as well as white papers that have done that have conclusively shown a tangible positive impact on an organization's productivity and bottom line from increasing diversity within its workforce, be that race, ethnicity, gender, and so forth, and not just at the employee level, but also in leadership roles. However, despite these numerous findings, we're still seeing an absence of diversity in the leadership ranks, especially the higher up you go on the leadership chain. And in light of the growing focus right now on racial inequality and injustice in various countries around the world as a result of the numerous Black Lives Matter protests going on around the world, organizations in every industry are going to have to take a hard look in the mirror to address this, not just from a moral or social imperative, but really also from understanding this is going to help us become more strategically competitive and more innovative because now the technological advances, the benefits they give are shrinking. So how do new managers address this reality? How can they help break down any barriers that are impeding diversity in their organization, which, as I said, has been empirically proven to benefit the organizations, both in terms of their productivity as well as their bottom line? Right. Um, well, you're completely correct. I mean, there's been all sorts of research done on, on this. And clearly, the research shows that 
organizations that are more diverse, they outperform organizations that are less diverse. And that's true in gender and in ethnicity, uh, cultural diversity, all sorts of different things. McKinsey's done studies on this and, and found you know, the numbers that show that, that, that the bottom line results are stronger when you have a more diverse organization. It's just, just, just the way it is. So I think you're right. I think managers have to take a, a, a close look at their, well, first of all, inside, take a look at themselves. And what, what are the assumptions that they're making? What are their beliefs that may be impeding a, a more diverse workforce? Uh, are they, you know, are they pushing on their HR department to recruit, to look out there, to look at every possible source when they're recruiting, or are they being very narrowly focused in only certain areas that may not be very diverse? Uh, are there structural problems within the organization? Are, are men being paid more, for example, than women in exactly the same position? You know, are there those structural kinds of barriers? Are there barriers for um, people who are have, have disabilities of some sort, maybe they're physical or mental? Are they being um, you know, structurally um, kept out of the organization in some way? Uh, there's all sorts of things that um, new managers and any manager needs to look out for. And I, and I think it's those two things, you know, first looking within, what are their own attitudes? You know, what are what are they? What are their own beliefs that may be getting in the way? And then looking into the organization and looking structurally, uh, what are the things getting in the way? And then obviously the, the next step is to get rid of those those um, impediments, those barriers that uh, might be within you or or without you. So Peter, we've been discussing some of the skills, attitudes, and behaviors new managers need to develop and apply in their new roles as leaders. So to end up our conversation today, I want to pivot our focus towards the senior leaders and their organization and address where they're missing the mark in terms of their leadership development initiatives. As we discussed at the start of our conversation, for a majority of new leaders, they only get some form of professional leadership development only after they've been in a leadership role for several years, leaving them to not only figure out what they should be doing, but also most likely developing some unproductive and damaging habits in terms of how they approach their role as leaders in their organization. So what can and should senior leaders in any organization be doing to make sure they have a solid leadership development pipeline that will not only better equip leadership potentials and hopefuls, but also building on our conversation we've just been having, better address the growing need for increased diversity within the higher ranks of leadership? Right. So you're, you're exactly correct that, um, you know, most managers don't get training until quite late in their, their careers. Um, Jack Zenger um, had an article in the Harvard Business Review where he talked about the fact that their research found that um, on average, managers don't receive management training until they're 42 years old which is, is pretty crazy because a lot of managers have been in their positions for at least 10 years before that, you know, so maybe 10 years along the way, they're getting some training finally. So I think that um, what they've got to be doing is they've got to be, first of all, creating a, a learning organization that, that puts a, an emphasis on people learning new skills um, where they're in a safe to fail place where they can try new things, where they can um, take chances, take risks and not be punished for it. 
I, I mean, I, I just know there's so many organizations out there that people live in, in mortal fear of doing something wrong because they're afraid their boss is going to land on them like a ton of, ton of bricks. So you want your people to be out there um, trying new things, pushing the, the envelope. And, and, you know, you want to create an, a, an environment that makes it safe to fail, basically. And you want to always be looking for people who have that potential, that, that leadership potential. And I think everyone has the potential to be a leader. And even if you're not formally called a leader, if you're not formally a, called a manager, assistant manager, um, vice president, all those different titles we have for, for formal leaders, that most everyone um, has leadership roles on an informal basis in their organization where they, they provide leadership in ways that aren't formally recognized. So you want to encourage that. You want to encourage those informal leadership roles and, and for people to take leadership. You want to empower them to take leadership throughout the organization, whether or not they're considered a formal leader or not. And, and you want to communicate. You want to make sure that, that all the channels of communication are open and that you're, you know, you're, you're keeping people in, 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 in the spotlight, in the light, and not in the dark. Uh, I think so many organizations, and this is particularly true um, before the, the most recent uh, COVID virus you know, pandemic. You know, now we're working even more so in virtual teams and, and working from home and things like that. Communication is so much more important today. So you want to have those channels of communication wide open. And, and, and keep people very knowledgeable about what's going on in the organization. Wonderful answer, Peter. You've definitely given a lot of food for thought here, not just for those aspiring to become new managers in their organization, but hopefully also for those who are responsible for helping to select and prepare the next generational leaders in today's organizations. So thank you so much for coming on my show, Peter. It's been a pleasure to finally connect with you in person after spending so many years reading your writings on Inc. Well, thank you so much, Tanvir. It's a real pleasure to be here. It's fun talking about this. Some important ideas and points for both new leaders to take note of if they want to be successful at leadership, as well as some important food for thought for those in senior leadership positions about not only how they manage their leadership development pipeline, but also what they should be providing to these new leaders to ensure they swim and not sink in their new roles. If you'd like to know more about Peter's book and his other writings on leadership, Visit the show notes for this episode on my website at tanvinasir.com slash LBC. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Leadership Biz Cafe, brought to you by Tanvinasir Leadership. If you're looking for more insights on how to improve your leadership or how you can develop and grow your employees, please check out our company's website at tanvinasir.com to see how we can help, both through virtual and in-person leadership keynotes, workshops, and training events. And if you enjoyed or have been enjoying listening to my leadership podcast, I'd appreciate your support for this show by sharing it with your colleagues and employees. The easiest way to do this is to simply share with them our podcast page at tavinasir.com slash LBC. On our podcast page, you can listen to every episode of our show, and you'll also find links to subscribe to our show on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Podcasts. And speaking of which, I'm excited to announce that you can now also catch our show on Deezer. So yet another platform for you to catch our latest episodes. And on a personal note, 
It's wonderful to see this show continuing to grow in popularity with those interested in learning more about leadership and how they can improve their craft. And with that, I'm Tanvin Nasir, and you've been listening to Leadership Biz Cafe.